Hello, this is Josh Heath, and welcome to another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. This is another Galliard Rants episode. So we're going to hop right into a discussion on the next moon phase, uh, Arunes, or the full moon. You know, in the last episode, which, you know, I heard there was a little bit of quality concerns on, and I kind of expected that, um, considering the method in which we are recording these particular episodes. But um, one of these days, I will go back and I will clean it up, and um, we'll go from there. But for now, we're going to talk about Aruns, or the full moons, the warriors of the auspices. And obviously, with the way werewolves are, all of the different auspices are, in one form or another, warriors. But the Aruns are the stereotypical sort of uh, rage-filled anger machines of the Garu Nation. And the reason for that is they have, as it should be obvious, the most amount of rage when you are starting a character. So a lot of people play them as the angry, aggressive, destroying machine sort of characters. Oftentimes they're not particularly bright. They don't need to be, right? They just go and stomp things and they die. Well, I think that's really reductive. One, I think it's reductive because warriors don't work that way in real life. Even even people that are boxers or wrestlers or things like that, the really good ones are the ones that use their brains as much as they use their physical strength. And obviously physical strength is a major asset when you're fighting with just your body and not fighting with any weapons or anything. But if you're not doing so with a focused and sort of intentionality, it's very easy to just become like a little kid flailing your arms at people and not actually being effective. Because as we see with martial arts and things like that on a regular basis, anyone with even half or... Uh, just a, even a little bit more skill than someone, even if the person with uh, the person they're fighting is stronger or angrier. Usually, being angry makes you lose a fight. It doesn't help you win a fight. So, this perception of Arunes as the, you know the stereotypical Incredible Hulk sort of um, characters doesn't make a lot of sense. And yes, rage is an expression of anger in some ways, but it's a lot deeper than that. So I think we're going to end up talking about what rage is a little bit and use that to kind of cycle into talking about Arunes um, and how they could be played. I'm not telling anybody that they've played their character wrong, not by any stretch of the imagination. I have no problem with people playing the characters they play in the way that they want to play them. What I do want to talk about, though, is playing a rune that is an intelligent warrior and how that can look and what that... how that can be portrayed really effectively and still take advantage of all the things that the particular auspice brings to the game. So, let's kind of deconstruct this a little bit. Um, Let's talk about rage first, and then we'll dive into this a little bit deeper. Rage is 
uh, written as an expression of the anger that Luna provides, one of the gifts that Luna provides to the Garu. And it's definitely a double-edged sword. It's both a gift and very clearly a weakness. Um, rage is tied into the... Rage can be expressed, particularly when frenzy occurs, as out-of-control anger. And when it's used before that, it's sort of presented as controlled anger. But again, that gets into some weird territory. It's more, I would say, when it's controlled, more like directed violence in a really simplistic sort of sense. It's the effective strike. It's the really strong use of uh, muscles and weapon to hit just where someone needs to or to move a little bit faster. It's all of those things, and that's kind of how the mechanics let you utilize rage. Of course, when uh, a werewolf frenzies, when either they use too much rage or for whatever reason um, they fail a rage roll there are all these different things that happen they frenzy they lose control their anger overtakes them and when that happens that's when things really go downhill and you see the the other side of the rage coin you know it, there is the thrall of the worm frenzy where the Garu enact kind of their worst nature while they're frenzying. And it speaks to the possibility that rage is not clearly a gift of Luna. That perhaps it's a curse. And if you look at it from that angle as a curse, it opens up a lot of storytelling opportunities to really investigate what rage is and how the inner the Garou interact with it and obviously from an in-world perspective and even from a mechanical perspective it's a positive trait up to a point it's a positive trait up to a point when it becomes negative eventually and that's kind of, uh, it offers a lot of interesting storytelling space. And I think that's helpful in framing the Aruns, who are supposed to be the ultimate warrior rage-filled archetype within the nation. But they're also, in a lot of ways, going to be the most prone to doing horrible things that they and other Garu don't want to have happen. And that's really important also to recognize that, sure, you can play a character with all this rage and it gives you these mechanical benefits, but an effective storyteller looks at that and goes, it also gives me a lot of opportunity to show you the detrimental angle of violence and aggression and the impacts of what your violence and aggression can have on the rest of your life. Because, sure, it can be good in the cases when you want it to be, but if your rage is so overpowering that you can't even be in the same room as average humans for a moment without them freaking out because you've got this predatory, um, you know, aura around you, 
then how do you exist within society? You'll always feel cut off from humanity with that much rage. And that's one of the things I think is downplayed frequently in stories. And I know why it's downplayed. It can be really difficult to roleplay that effectively. But the reason that Garu disconnect themselves so much from human societies is because of their rage. And it, it makes it really hard for them to interact with human society. And of course, this is oddly expressed in the fiction and in the comics and things like that that come out with the different books in of werewolf where you see werewolves in a lot of cases interacting with human society without this being a problem and it's the it's a dichotomy of what is interesting fiction versus what is interesting game mechanics versus what is interesting game play and i get that so the aruns Let's get to, let's try to get to the point at least to some degree. Playing a good Arun means that you've got to balance this sense of, of extra power over the other members of your pack with the idea that if you're, if you are a warrior, if you're using the gifts that are appropriate for your moon phase and you take that sense of responsibility to be a really good warrior, you're actually going to learn to use your rage at just the right moments. You're going to use it sparingly, and you're going to use it really focusedly. And what do I mean by that? So imagine you're in a fight as a pack, and the first thing you do is, I'm going to spend my rage. Okay, you can do that. You're going to spend it for extra actions or you're going to spend it for whatever it is that you're going to spend it for and then you're going to do a rage roll. And what if you frenzy right off the bat? That doesn't put you in a good situation for the rest of the fight. You're out of control. You're just attacking anything that's around you and you haven't helped the mission usually. Well, instead of doing that, you can go a few rounds without spending any rage and you can wait you see what the enemy does you see what their strengths are and then you use your race rage selectively you get that extra action on the third round just when you need it to kill whatever it is that you're fighting or you use the rage at just the right time to enact a specific gift that helps the group win the fight but you do so with that sort of tactic in mind because you're really already a very powerful fighting machine prior to that. And if you're balance, if you as a storyteller are balancing the fights effectively, then that shouldn't be a major problem. Werewolves should always feel like they're slightly more powerful than whatever they're facing, unless they're facing something that's spiritual, spiritual, uh, umbral, or whatever, or connected to an enemy of the Garu in a way that makes sense for them to be weaker. Because the horror in Werewolf is not usually the sense of feeling weak against a greater force. Except in this, in a macro sense where the Garu are going to feel like they are losing a war of attrition. And that's totally accurate. They are the soldiers that win the battle and lose the war because they throw themselves whole body into every fight and they lose 
So, or they win that particular fight, but they lose a, a member of the pack or something like that. In most fights, in most like major battles, that's going to be very common for Garou. In individual fights, sure, in individual games, you're not going to lose a character every single game. It's not AD&D. It's not, you know, any of the old school RPGs where you had three characters that were exactly the same with three different names and they were all brothers waiting for you. But it is a game where death should happen and the sense of loss should be present frequently. And the Arun should not be... Well, they can be the character that throws themselves headfirst into every fight, but then they're going to die eventually. And you should have that happen. If a player decides to play their Arun that way, then let them, and then when they die, dig in really deeply into the sense of, we can throw everything we have at the worm, but it's still going to destroy us, and use that as a hook. Use that as a way of dragging your players into a sense of of what they're up against and what all of these losses to the nation are going to mean in the long run. And you don't have to... That's not the only story hook that you can use for the Arun. Um, one thing that I think is interesting is to focus on the martial aspects of the auspice and focus in on this sense of responsibility for their rage and this disconnection from humanity and play out both of those points. You know, a uh, an Arun that has a family, even if it's, especially if it's a kinfolk family, are going to have really difficult times with interacting with that family on a regular basis. They are going to they're going to lose their temper. And I'm not telling you that you need to lean into familial abuse or anything like that. You can if your players are comfortable with that. I definitely think that you should have content warnings and trigger warnings before you run a plot like that. But it is important to note that rage makes life difficult and makes frenzy a real possibility in a domestic situation. And I'm not saying that to excuse real world violence against family members by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a potential story that you could lean in on if the players and you were comfortable doing so. And if not, you can lean into rage-filled scenarios in other places interacting with human society. Perhaps someone has to go to the local fast food restaurant, the O'Tullys, and their, their order is wrong, and they react to that inappropriately, over the top, and you have to kind of work through the ramifications of that situation. Again, that's an area you've got to be very careful with, and make sure that your players and you are comfortable with interacting with those forms of stories in a way that you think is appropriate. And I think that's true of all of this. So I, all of this sort of game line, but I think this in particular, you just want to make sure that you handle it well and handle it with some care. Um, the other thing that you can lean in on is the warrior with lots of power that really does have control over themselves. 
and is really capable of very selective use of their anger and very selective use of their powers that would cause them to lose control. And the obvious kind of thing that I'm thinking of are stargazers here, but you can really drag in any of the tribes if a particular character or player or even a, a storyteller character is representative of that controlled fury. That very selective use of their violence in a controlled way. And I'm picturing martial arts masters, I'm picturing um, mixed martial artists um, in the uh, kind of modern MMA sense. They know when to use their force and when not to use it. And they may or may not be angry people in or outside of the ring, but when they're using violence, they know when to use it and why and how. And they modulate it very effectively. And that person has to be really in control of themselves. And that can be a really intriguing story to dive into. I think in some ways an entire pack of Aroons would be really boring as a story unless you have them all kind of represent different elements of, uh, of that sort of aggressive nature and what that could mean for the character. Then, then you might have like some interesting stories to dive into. But I don't see... I don't, I don't know. They're the hardest for me of the auspices to really differentiate and say that there's a lot of nuance for you to play into. And I think that makes them, makes them hard as an auspice to kind of really hook several stories onto. You can hook stories onto them, and particularly if a character has other elements to hook into, and then you bring in their traits as an Arun into that in other ways. That's really interesting. That's stuff that you can dive into. Um, but it's hard for me to say, here are like different hooks specifically for the Aruns for you to use. So, I think that's kind of... Oh, you know, one other thing before I call the end of this episode, the end of this rant, is what it might look like for different tribes. What do runes look like in different tribes? I mentioned the stargazers. The stargazers are runes, and the stargazers as a whole are supposed to be kind of this orientalist, eastern mystic, controlled violence martial artist group. There's some problematic parts of that, but if you look at that and you go, okay, I'm going to play into those tropes, that gives you an opportunity to lean in on um, doing yoga and doing different things to uh, different meditations to control uh, reactions and things like that, and you can modulate some of the impacts of rage using that tribe. The most stereotypical tribes, I think, for rage are the Geta Fenris, the Fenrir, the Fianna, the Wendigo. Um, all three of those tribes in their own way represent kind of stereotypes about groups with anger issues. And uh, that's a broad stroke. The ice hearts represent the angry Native American trope. And I have some real serious problems with that. However, that's the trope they represent. And you can lean into that or not as you see fit. And I usually... 
I can see a space for that in the right setting, but otherwise it's just uh, it's a pretty offensive trope. But I think playing into the trope of this ethnic group is angry over other people is ridiculous to begin with. So you've got to be careful with that. If you decide, hey, I'm going to play into the trope of the drunken Fianna who is angry all the time, sure, you can do that, but think about the impact of what playing into that trope is going to be on you, on your other players, on your storyteller. And if you're a storyteller, what playing into that trope means to the players that you have at your table. And I'm again, I'm not telling you you cannot play into tropes in your games. There are times when tropes help you tell stories. And if all of the players and you are comfortable with doing that, that is a different thing than playing into a trope without realizing it and without making that a choice. Because when you choose to portray a trope, you can do different things with it. And you can choose either to subvert that trope or lean into it or do whatever you're going to do with a purpose and I think that is a different form of storytelling than just presenting a trope as a trope and not thinking about it. And maybe not even realizing that what you are portraying is a trope or a stereotype. I think that's the worst. And I think that's the, the most damaging use of tropes. So this is another episode of Werewolf the Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Heath. You can leave comments, concerns, questions in the comments on Facebook, or you can send us an email. You can come by the website, which is werewolfpodcast.com, and let us know, hey, this episode was terrible. Please stop doing these, Josh. And if you tell me that, I'll listen, and I'll stop doing them. But for now, I hope that you enjoyed this, and I hope that you'll we'll see you soon.